0: This is a Federal News Network podcast. The civilian agencies aren't alone in pursuing technologically based procurement reforms. The Army Contracting Command is working its own version of category management. Major General Paul Pardue says his Contracting Command has chosen a few select categories of commodities to focus on. For details at the Association of the U.S. Army, I spoke with Pardue beginning with the scope of the command itself.
1: So Army Contracting Command, uh, this year, uh, about 143,000 separate contracts, $74 billion just this past year. Um, But while that's important, uh, we also have about uh, an additional $500 billion in open active contracts for everything. If a soldier wears it, eats it, shoots it, you name it. Flies in it. Flies in it. uh, Army Contracting Command has its hands on that contract.
0: All right, so in the greater world of federal procurement, one of the terms we've been hearing now for years is category management. That is to say, to get some kind of a universal view of those things that are bought across the board that you commonly have. Right. Ordnance, I guess, might be a good example in the sure. Army and uniform parts. Tell us what you're doing in that area with respect to category management.
1: So, so category management, uh, the department looked at, hey, where's all our where's all our funding going? Where are we spending money? And we went after five categories. Um, the ones that would kind of jump out at you, IT, installations, medical, trans and logistics. And so those categories, and we're really only focused on five, um, we now are looking at big data analytics within those categories to say, hey, how many contracts are we writing? Um, where are we writing them? And are we getting the best deal for the government? And does it make sense to have a strategic source, say maybe one contract to manage uh, a level of effort? Or is it okay for us to have multiples? And so it's it's really about managing your spend and garnering efficiencies out of that.
0: Because when you break down any one of those, IT itself is a million different things. Services, hardware, software, tactical versus commercial and business. Same thing with installations. It's everything from construction to lighting.
1: Dining facilities. Thousand
0: line items. So how do they... Add up to a category when within a category there is so much variation. So, so,
1: so therein lies the, the, the problem, right? You're looking for what what do you want to get under that category? What is what I what I would term spillage? Things that are outside of the category that you want to get back in and under control. Um, what are the things that uh, should be on a greater contract that that you know is common for the army? And what are the one, what are those things that are unique at the local, to your point, tactical level that ought to remain there, and then we will manage that, and make b- the right business decisions for the Army within that category. And so, just just so you know, and the and the listeners know. We have a big data analytics team, and we have business advisors out of ACC that are aligned to the category managers, and those category managers are advising across the Army on how we're going to do better within that category of spend.
0: And as opposed to looking at just the contracting system and whatever data it puts out, if you do right. a deep data analytics, you might find categories have items in them that cross categories. That's For example, exactly right. electricity. Right. Well, that would be an IT thing, a data center modernization or whatever,
1: and, of course, installations, and, and so it goes. Exactly. And so you're trying to pull out all those efficiencies because you'll find contracts that look like they're just doing base support. But then it might have a cy- cyber component. It might have a trans component. It might have all types of different things. And so you need to go through those, those contracts and say, is that the right place for them to be?
0: What about cross-service commodities is there any cooperation with the other armed services where there might be commonality and you're all buying the same category right
1: so the the air force the air force jumped into category management uh, i think a little bit earlier than than the army did but uh we have been talking back and forth on what are you garnering what efficiencies are you getting what systems are you using uh and so those lessons learned are cross-pollinating
0: and what are the metrics you've put in place in general that you can measure whether category management is working
1: yeah, so what what we're looking for now is what we've figured out is, and I, I call them bubble charts, kind of hard to explain, but hey, if you look at numbers of contracts and size of spend, um, hey, are they under what we would consider a category effectively? Um, is that money being spent on contracts that, that we think are the most efficient? And let's get down to, say, even at the installation level where you have services and you may have 25 services contracts for the same thing, and so we're trying to look at the at the metrics there and look at the pricing on individual contracts and say, are we getting the best deal? And if if not, then why not? And it, and then let's get there.
0: So you have competition and efficiency curves. And you want to find where they cross that's exactly the right. optimal point. That's exactly right. I guess that's a bubble. Yeah. We're speaking with Major General Paul Pardue commander of the Army Contracting Command. And another issue that concerns Congress, concerns anyone in acquisition, and concerns the contractors themselves is Palt, the uh, procurement acquisition lead time. And it just takes too long. Right. And the contractors all believe it, and I think the armed services believe it. What are you doing to shave that down?
1: Yeah, so what what are we not, right? So uh, the quick answer is... um let's let's talk about reform right so uh, within the acquisition community we have we have been cutting policies we have been cutting uh, steps in the process where we're allowed that aren't uh you know codified in law right so if it's something that we can impact, we have been trimming those down we have been pushing authorities down um, with respect to uh, other other transaction authorities otas we've been using those uh, that that was a great um, NDAA that gave us the authority to use those. And, we, and the Army specific, specifically uh, has been going after the use of OTAs appropriately to modernize. Uh, and if, as I walk around and meet with the, the uh, vendors here, um, you look at what we're doing in Army Futures. Almost all of the modernization efforts are under some kind of OTA. And to date, uh, I think they've d- been done effectively. And some of those have turned... Uh, we had one turn recently, eight hundred million dollars. We turned it in in ninety days.
0: Yes, I was going to ask you about some of the uh, ideas behind the OTA because there's a helicopter that the right. Army is evaluating for future lift. Sure. And there's one of them was made, so it's really a prototype and it flies up and down, but it's not accepted as a as a platform yet. Since it is a prototype and it has a lot of new technology never seen before in vertical lift. Least according to my tour of it, would that qualify? As, would that be too big for an OTA? Or no, those be-
1: two. The, the, uh, f- what you're talking about is uh, future long-range aviation. That that's one helicopter system that is under an OTA, and there's uh, the other, which is uh, f- what they call FARA, Future Attack. Uh, and so both of those are OTAs. They're in. Uh, they're going to be down selected. We haven't you know gone to uh, uh, the full down select yet, but have been very effective. Uh, we've worked with industry uh, throughout. And the communication between the government and uh, our our you know mission partners and also the contractors has been has been done very well
0: because the bridge to cross in that point is in this case the OTA didn't go to some small unknown contractor that might have the big idea but to fairly well very well known large contractors. One of whom would get the follow on productions at right. some point in the future. So, but, how do you.
1: But not everybody makes a helicopter, right? And so then you have to look across multiple OTAs and look into the consortia that are bringing in some of the non traditional partners, right? That may be doing the generator system or the avionics system on that helicopter. And so there's multiple levels of this. It's not just, hey, the OTA went to a major defense contractor. There's a bunch of OTAs that are out there that that, uh, small businesses and others are competing on.
0: So to get your staff in the command up to date on Palt, on OTAs, and on the regulations you're pulling the barnacles off the bottom of the boat for, (laughs) sometimes it's hard to get those things pushed down. They don't really believe you for some of those... uh, yeah
1: you've you, you know? got you to empower your workforce and you've got to train them right And so uh, you know eighteen months ago, we had really one center, ACC New Jersey was really the, the lead in OTAs, and we effectively um, trained across ACC and so uh, over the past eighteen months, and I've got OTAs in, in all my centers. Um, appropriately so. We don't have OTAs where we don't need them, right? Because my guidance to to my team was, look, this is is a great tool for us to help modernize the United States Army. Let's not do anything that is against what the intent Congress gave us. Uh, And so let's go through the OTA process. And when somebody comes up with a bright idea that's not the intent, we ain't going to do it. And I think we've been effective at that today. But OTA is only part of the pulp problem. Uh, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's multiple parts. And what I tell the team and I tell uh, the requiring activities in the Army and is three. there's three entities involved in this. There's myself, the contracting community. There's the requiring activity, the guys that want something. And then there's contractors. And all three of us can dial it up and dial it down based on uh, things that maybe a requiring activity wants to change. That's going to have an impact on pulp. Changes to contract process or protest or things that could happen, uh, that can cause it to go longer. Same thing with contractors. The contractors, pr- pr- you know, proposals come in that aren't quality proposals. That may cause some problems and can cause a, a, a longer pull time. So um, there's, there's multiple entities that have a role in this. And final question, who negotiates the new cars in your family? <laughs> uh, well, I did on the last one. And, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I wanted a very specific vehicle, and I walked in and I said, I want this, I want this, and I want this, and I want it at this price. And you got 30 minutes. And uh, he came back, and he didn't give me the trade I wanted on my car, and I said, well, then we're done. And I started to walk out, and uh, he met my price, and off we went so it was good.
0: Major General Paul Pardue is commander of the Army Contracting Command, speaking at the Association of the U.S. Army Conference. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.
1: Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure.